2: Instead of taking up that gym membership that you wouldn't use even if the gyms were open, how's about subscribing to The Athletic for just £4 a month? You'll get unrivaled football coverage with analysis and in-depth features from the very best writers around, exclusive Q&As with Athletic staff and ad-free versions of all The Athletic's podcasts, including this one. Find out more and sign up today at theathletic.com forward slash league show.
3: There once was a team that hired Rooney, the name of the team was Derby County, they went unpaid, their heads were down, oh blow, my Rooney boys blow. Soon may the Rooney men come to bring them goals at their own stadium, one day when Wazzer is done he'll take his leave and go. They'd not been paid two weeks and more, the takeover had become such a bore, McLaren could help no more and Morris was a no-show. Soon may the Rooney men come to bring us goals at their own stadium. One day, when Wazer is done, he'll take his leave and go. This is the Totally Football League show in association with Paddy Power. And that's not the weirdest thing to have happened in football this week. Glenn Hoddle was a grandfather clock on the Masked Singer. Anyway, sorry about that folks. Producer Abby made me do this sea shanty because she likes us to have our finger on the cultural pulse. Uh, down to business then. It's me, Matt Davis-Adams, here to talk through another wild week in the EFL with my two punditry pals. Adrian Clark played for Arsenal, Southend, Stevenage and Moore. Now he talks to me of a Monday. Is it as fulfilling? No. Hi, Clarke.
4: Ahoy there, Mr. Davis-Adams. Mm.
3: Yeah. Uh, Sam Parkin had a rare weekend off our TV screen, so he must be chomping at the bit to do some punditry today. Is that right, Sam?
5: I can't wait to get going. going to give um, 150% or whatever the modern-day footballer's up to now in terms of percentages.
3: All right, it's time for this. Performance of the weekend. 15 seconds a man to convince our dear listeners that their pick did the best football in the weekend just passed. Uh, Adrian, you can go first. You've chosen Peterborough United. Your 15 seconds start
4: now. Yeah, on a mud patch of a pitch, the posh mopped up against a decent MK Dons side. They couldn't live with their quick, aggressive but fluent football. Then Belle dazzled. Smodix remembered where the goal was, and suddenly Ferguson's men looked like automatic promotion contenders again.
3: Nice, good timing. Yeah, it was a good, uh, good display from the Smodfather in particular. I thought. Uh, Sam, you've gone for Gilligan. Your 15 seconds start now.
5: Yeah, five defeats in six going into the weekend, but this was a terrific away performance. Rock solid in defence and really positive going forward. Jordan Graham, a menace with his trickery and new Southampton loney Callum Slattery, excellent in breaking up play, starting attacks. Brilliant goal from the captain. Dempsey, great day for the Jules. Hmm.
3: Not so good in terms of timing, but um, nice content. I, it will shock you, listener, have gone for Nottingham Forest. Uh, My 15 seconds start now. The two time European champions dominated Millwall on Saturday, scoring three times in a game for the first time this season. A beautiful brace from Sammy Amiobi, helping extend the good guys' unbeaten run to seven in all comps. Forest now six points from trouble and a mere 21 off the automatic promotion places. See who you agree with, listener. Go to at the totally show on Twitter to vote.
0: Okay, to the championship. RB Leipzig gift shop? Yeah, uh, I want to return a player. Uh, He's not working. He was supposed to help me achieve my goals, but I don't think he even knows what a goal is. Ah, yeah. Well, uh, all I can say is that he was just fine working when he was to London dispatched. Oh. Lampard and Chelsea can't seem to get their money back, but you can with Paddy Power's Acker Cracker. If one leg of your four-plus-fold Acker lets you down, get a free bet on all football matches and all markets. Paddy Power. Max free bet £10. Min odds 1 to 5 on each leg. Online exclusive. Exclude shop bets and enhanced match odds. T's and C's apply. 18 plus
2: This is the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network.
3: Championship headlines Wayne Rooney finally appointed Derby County manager. More on that momentarily. Cardiff have won the race to sign Crawley hotshot Max Waters. The fee said to have reached seven figures. Bournemouth have signed Jack Wilshire on a short-term deal. As for managerial movements, the Athletics' Adam Leventhal reports that former Watford boss Vladimir Ivic was approached by Sheffield Wednesday following Tony Pulis's departure. Meanwhile, on the pitch, Norwich reached 50 points following their win over Cardiff. And across the EFL this weekend, there were nine red cards, although there could and should have been more. Looking at you, Troy. Right, the first game we are going to look at is Derby 0, Rotherham 1. All manner of things happening at Derby County. Fortunately, the man who gets the privilege of looking after it all is coming after this sting. It's Ryan Conway of The Athletic. Uh, So, Ryan, Rooney in charge. Textbook start for a caretaker appointed on a permanent basis of of a defeat in his his first game. It's a a a two-and-a-half-year deal. Uh, Any break clause in that for relegation?
1: Uh, I have no idea of the workings of the deal, to be honest. Um, but I, I would, I would imagine that if it was going that way, he'd probably just resign. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, you told I, us, a we- joke, but like uh, it, uh, Wayne Rooney is a smart man. You know, he's 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 not got to where he's got in his career by making dumb decisions. He's done some dumb things, you know. Generally, but he's he's generally a smart man. I, I don't think he signs that deal without certain assurances of certain things. Um, and I imagine if those things don't come his way, I don't think he'd be afraid to just be like, right, I'm out of here then.
3: Okay, so one of those assurances seems to have been that he'll be able to sign players. Not something that's going to be easy to do given that Derby are currently under, under a transfer embargo. He must think that that's getting lifted sometime soon and, and this long-talked-about takeover is actually going to happen. Certainly from, from your big piece last week, it, it seems as though... It's going to happen any day now, but then again we've been saying that since november are you still confident uh
1: um, are you asking my opinion if i'm still confident yes, yes. no no i'm not uh, <laughs> as as an as a, as an opinion is just something that that I feel personally and and a, just as a gut feeling um no i'm not no i'm not confident um i just i think you know, people talk about time. You know, Stephen Pierce was on the radio talking about timing. He was talking about um, everything has to be aligned and it has to be right. Rooney was saying these things can't be rushed. You know that. You know, and as, as Slater put in the in our piece as well. You know, there might be money having to be sourced and pulled from from all over the place. My, my issue tends to lie with um, uh, the lack of communication. I think from the club. You know, they've they've put out. Two statements: one confirming that takeover talks were underway, and then one ten days before Christmas, um, saying that they were confident it would get done before Christmas. Christmas came and went; takeover didn't happen. Club didn't say anything. Club didn't communicate anything. That that's bad. You have to do that. You just have to do that. Um, You know the 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 players not being the players not being paid. If you thought that, I mean, you know, if you thought you had the money, so you didn't have to source it from anywhere else or pull it from anywhere else, um, then there should have been. You know, no issues. The players should have been paid. As of right now, not all of them have been paid their full wage. Um, So there were just with everything that they go. Oh, it's about time, and it's about time, it's about this, it's about that. There are things you point to and go, but what about this? What about that? Why is this happening then? What's what's going on over here? There, there are just there are a lot more red flags starting to starting to crop up. And look, if 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 it goes through, then all right, I I'll have egg on my face, but personally, I, I. I just don't feel that confident.
3: Mel Murray is still the name above the door for the moment. He's got a personal fortune of £515 million. Would it not have been in, in his interest, in the interest of the takeover in the football club, for him to just cover the missing wages himself? Or am I being extremely naive and unrealistic to think that that was even an option?
1: Um... Uh, I think a little column a a little column b <laughs> <laughs> i think um because I think the longer this goes on, I think you know Mel would eventually step in um i think he'd he'd have to at some point because I believe the e f l can charge Derby if players go unpaid for a certain amount of time um so i think he would he would step in um and and pay everybody um now, the way I understand it is you know that's Mel's worth but. It, it's not just like sat in some kind of Scrooge McDuck vault, you know. It's all in assets <laughs> and, and and stuff like that. And, that. and I think that's what you know a lot of wealthy people say when you look at their net worth, and you know, go, well, it's not just cash that's lying around. It's all in assets, um, you know. But but there is a cash flow problem at Derby, as evidenced by the um, by the loan, a second loan um, that they're trying to take out with with MSD, as evidenced by the first loan they took out with MSD, as evidenced as far back as twenty eighteen when they sold their stadium to themselves. Um, you know, people can frame that any way they want. My argument will always be: if financially you're in a healthy position, you don't have to sell your stadium to yourself.
3: I want to get back to Rooney and, and something that, that caught my eye from um, from your latest piece about his criticism of, of Dwayne Holmes in particular, not in the squad for Saturday's game, rumored to be off to, to Huddersfield. Thought it was interesting that that he he chose to publicly criticise him, saying that you know his training wasn't up to to scratch, etc. It's a bold move for a manager to criticise a player in public. Do you think he's thinking, well, this guy's going out the door anyway. This is a good opportunity to show the rest of the squad that I'm not their mate anymore, that that I am the boss, and you know, kind of bare his teeth a little bit.
1: Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. As I understand it, Dwayne Holmes will be a Huddersfield player within the next twenty four hours. Um, now, I think. If you've got a player like that, that is so, it's so obvious that, that they are leaving and you can dig them out. It, there, there, are no re, there are no negative repercussions um, for you from that, from that player. You, know, you, can, you can dig them out. Um, he's done it before with Jack Marriott. He did that with Jack Marriott after his debut when he was a player. Um, there is a completely ruthless side to Rooney um you know i think evidenced by his first game as, as soul into a manager where he made like seven changes and it was pretty much all the experienced lads coming in um but yeah i think when when you you know Dwayne had been out of the squad for for a few games um and he was you know he was he was fit and i think it says a lot about where he was in the pecking order that rooney was choosing to put um 16 year old Cade Gordon on the bench now he's meant to be the truth you know he's meant to to be that good but he's 16 um at a, at a, on a team that doesn't have an awful lot of depth when he's making the bench and a fit Dwayne Holmes is just being left at home that you know you don't you don't have to say that you don't fancy him the fact that you just don't pick him even in your 18 man squad says says an awful lot
3: what about Liam Rossini because we know that he wanted the gig that, that Rooney's got do you think he'd be happy to stay
1: on as an assistant I mean, in many ways, you know, it's a promotion, isn't it? He's, he's gone up from coach to assistant manager. Um, but, you know, I think, like Wayne, he, he wanted to be a number one. If that opportunity came calling, he, I don't think he'd say no. Um, I don't think he could. I don't think he could say no, you know, to get your first job in, in, in management. He's, he, would never, he would never say it publicly, but privately, I imagine he's got to be disappointed that, that he didn't get the job. How, how could you not be, you know, in a professional environment like that? Um but I suppose if if you're ever the optimist as, as Liam is, you look at it and go, Well, you know, it's a promotion to assistant manager. It's a start, I guess.
3: Um, last one then, Ryan. Now as we sit here, January, do you think Derby have got what it takes to stay up? And does it all hinge on the
1: takeover getting done this month so that they can bring some new players in? Uh yeah, I think they I think they've got enough to stay up. Um but it's, man, it's going to be so tough because I think you look at Rotherham and Wickham as, as the two, I'm not going to say they are going to go down, but they are the two favourites to go down. And the rest, when you look at in and around Derby, you look at Derby, Sheffield Wednesday, Nottingham Forest, can even throw Birmingham in there. They're all kind of much of a muchness as a team. And that's, you know, that's dangerous because you don't look at any one of them squads and think, yeah, they'll pull away, you know, in the second half of this of this season. Um but Derby have got Derby have got good players, you know. They they have got good David Marshall's a very good goalkeeper, you know, Nathan Byrne is a really good right back, uh, Bielik is is playing really good stuff at the minute in the centre of midfield, Jason Knight too, Graham Schinney as well, fat, and that put all that midfield in there. Um Juz, Juzviak, I fully believe Uzviak will be a star in the championship. He has consistency issues right now and he gets frustrated too easily. Um, and you could say the same about Tom Lawrence on the other side but the, make no mistake these are good players they're quality players um, you know it's, it's a squad that is definitely capable of, of getting them out of there now they don't have an out and out goal scorer you're going to have to share the wealth a little bit and spread those goals around but they're definitely capable
3: Ryan you're an optimist that's why we love you uh, thanks for joining us today we'll speak to you again soon no doubt
1: no don't worry about it thanks for having me guys
3: And Conway there, the man who drew the short straw from the Athletic. Uh, To the game then, chaps. Rotherham had one ruled out. Beelik should have been sent off. Derby left ruining their own crumminess. Uh, Was it a fair result, though, Adrian?
4: I think it was a fair result, yeah. As you you point out, they had a a goal disallowed in the first half. Marginal offside call. It was difficult to tell whether he was on or off. But no, I I think that Rotherham were good value for their win. And, And Derby they oh, we just weren't at it. It was, it was a sloppy performance. Concentration level was not there. Careless in possession. Interesting. Wasn't it that Rooney made Jason Knight his captain at just 19 years of age. So, so that was, that was a fascinating decision on his part, but as for the, the performance, it was a bit, bit of a damp squid, but should we be surprised really? You look at the season as a whole, the lowest scorers, Uh, 14 in 23, five, five at home all season. And I've dug a little bit deeper. In the 12 home games that Derby have had so far, which totals 540 minutes plus, they've scored once. One second half goal at home all season. And we're pretty much at the halfway stage. That's embarrassing. And and it shows you that Wayne Moon's got a lot of work to do to get them out of the relegation zone. Uh,
3: Sam, the pure of heart amongst us will be feeling faint at all this talk about Derby County. So we ought to give some praise to the Millers. It seems like every time we mention Rotherham, it's will they, won't they stay up. But in terms of performance, this this was particularly impressive for, for a struggling team, no?
5: Yeah, r- really um, good performance. And um, I think we've spoken a few times about them getting plaudits for always being in games and, and pushing some of the, the top sides but not getting the results but no, I thought they were they were good value and, and Wayne Rooney said as much after the game could have been further in front obviously Wood had that goal disallowed I think it was rightly called offside for the the initial pass uh, before Quay H- 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 tried to flick one to him so now they got a lot, nice balance in midfield obviously Barlassa we've spoken about uh, often on the podcast during his previous loan. Crooks and, and Smith always a a threat. And I think at the weekend, the pitch probably suited them. Paul Warren probably won't uh, want to focus on that. But I thought the, the pitch probably stopped Derby from being able, being able to play. Bielik was their one shining light until obviously he had to be withdrawn. And that usual lack of creativity in Derby's ranks was really evident. And that's where they, they've fought, fallen short this season. He's... Um, shored them up defensively but yeah that that's a big problem the inability to to put teams away and I thought Wayne Rooney a little bit slow with his substitutions as well so there was a bit of an inevitability I would say about that outcome considering that Rotherham have done it time and time again really um, Sport the party so um, yeah good result for them but you know Derby's squad clearly isn't good enough and clearly not good enough in in forward areas and, and needs big surgery I would suggest.
3: Uh, let's head to the seaside next, or just 1.7 miles from it, to be precise. A big win for Luton, who saw off 10-man Bournemouth. The red card in the first half for Jefferson Lerma, probably the key moment of the game. It's since been overturned. I'll put you on the spot here, Clarkie. It's just kind of indicative of a pretty low standard of refereeing in the championship, because I can't understand for one moment why this was deemed to be a
4: red card. Yeah I don't I don't think the standard of officiating in across English football is great at the moment. I mean I've been crying out for ages for for the Premier League to to sort of kick out half of their current crop and and bring through the next generation but fans that watch the EFL and the Championship say well they're just as bad if if not worse at our level so so yeah, that, I think there's an underlying problem with, with the quality of officiating. I think we need to get more, more, more ex footballers really, and I'm not talking about players that have got had long careers. I'm talking about guys that have maybe come out of the game at 17, 18, 19, um, out before they've started. It's a way in. It's quite a lucrative career, isn't it? Of course, being a being a top flight official. And if there's a way we can encourage these guys to those that fancy it, of course. To, to get on the training wheel and, and and to be ready by the time they're in their mid to late 20s then I think that will make a difference because for me there's a there's a not that many of the referees seem to understand um, the finite details of, of footballers uh, and I think most most ex pros I'm sure Sam would agree could see could see first up you didn't need a replay to know that that wasn't a red card for, for, from Lerma. I think he saw the blood. I thought, oh wow, that's a bad one. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give him a red, and you can't guess at these things. You're, you're playing with people's livelihoods and, and careers. So um, yeah, that was, that was a shocking call.
3: Uh, how about Luton, though, Sam? We, we ought to give them some praise. On to 33 points. Nathan Jones doesn't like harping on about having a bottom two budget. He said harping on about the fact that he's got a, a bottom two budget. <laughs> but he's he's doing a sensational job there. And it's one of those pairings that just seem to go. You know, he, he didn't have them for him at Stoke. But but him and Luton are, are like a perfect match.
5: Yeah, I know you're scared of um, Alex Neal, Matt. And I know mm. your mate, Clarkie. But I'm really scared of Nathan Jones, to be honest. <laughs> He looks like he's going to, like, jump on the interviewer and, like, smash up the, the camera. It's, like, it's frightening. Is it? Is there ever, like, does he ever mellow? Does he ever plateau? Or is that him full blast, Adrian? Because I'm really not sure about him.
4: <laughs> he's an intense lad. He is an intense character, that is for sure. <laughs> he's, anyway. There's only one Nathan Jones, let me tell you. <laughs> there's a, there's a, yeah, he's a unique personality.
5: Yeah, on the game, I thought um, defensively, Got it spot on. Made a change. Went to, to five at the back. Glenn Ray actually um, popped in the middle of the two centre halves. Had to reshuffle when um, the Lockyer had to go off. I think Potts went to, to left sided um, centre half and, and Naismith came on. But a really good defensive display. Some top performances. Sluga, who we slaughtered week after week last season, was was brilliant. Made some some big saves. And Dewsbury Hall is um, really standing out in terms of a a player who can get you assists and get you goals. I think two goals and two assists in the last four. And um, they are absolutely loving him, the supporters, you know, one of the best players they've had in in recent memory. So, yeah, I I completely agree with you, Matt, because when you look at the, the players at his disposal to continue to pick up, the consistent results um, is frightening in the second tier so I think they need a little bit more firepower I don't think um, Collins can continue to carry that mantle throughout a championship season so I'd like to see them maybe add one more there but I've been saying that for a, for a long time and they st- still seem to get by so yeah credit to him it was a, a great result and I think just a rare off day for Bournemouth who will come again that said they're they're not scoring goals at the moment I think just four in the last six
4: games yeah, Nathan's mixed up his formations better, I think, uh, in this spell. They're, they're not that they were ever predictable because teams couldn't can really handle them in League One with this with this 2 diamond. But yeah, he's, I think that's the sixth time he's gone to three at the back, and they've done it pretty well. He's picked and cho- chose the right games to go with the back three, um, where they can maybe use the pace of of Harry Cornick on the break, and 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 that definitely stood out in this game as well as obviously that the lovely left foot of Dewsbury Hall.
3: Bournemouth then, Adrian, dropped four points from two home games over the past week. They've only won one of their last five in the league. Should they be worried? And is Jack Wilshire the answer to, to the uh, question that's being posed of them?
4: Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, I don't think they should be overly worried. Jack's been training there, hasn't he? So he's obviously looked sharp. Uh, that's the only reason I could think. And he's a good player. He's a, obviously a, great, a, a wonderful talent. I, I just feel that They've got a lot of central midfielders already. Tons, actually. I think they've got a lot of centre-halves. Maybe just not enough creators. It's a, it's a difficult one. You look at their... So so, so in that sense, I guess Jack Wilshire does tick the right box. I'm, I'm more thinking about creators um, in, in forward areas like like David Brooks, who there's a huge reliance on. Um, at the moment, they've gone for back three. 3-4-3, three, three, which sort of... Only leaves you with with two central midfielders, so you do wonder whether he's going to get any game time. But but once Dan Zuma comes back, um, they'll probably go to, to to a four at the back again. But yeah, it's um, yeah, I, I don't think it's time to panic. If I was a Bournemouth fan, but but definitely in in a little bit of a rut at the moment.
3: Uh, to the world-famous city ground then, Forest seeing off Millwall in relatively comfortable fashion. I've been allocated my 15 seconds to espouse the virtues <laughs> of the Reds. Uh, if you want to hear more than that, have a listen to Two Stars. That's the Forest pod from The Athletic. On Millwall, though, we've mentioned their lack of goals before, but problems at the other end too. Only one clean sheet in 10. Um, Sam, were you the chairman? Would your, would your finger be hovering over the metaphorical trigger or, or would you be paraphrasing the Kaiser Chiefs and singing, I would stick with Rowett? Stick with Gary Rowett.
5: <laughs> if I was the uh, the chairman sitting in a director's box with a full den every Saturday afternoon when they're getting beaten, then I probably would be getting close to pulling the trigger. But in these circumstances at the moment, I really hope not. I hope he's given an opportunity to, to build, I think, Gary Rowett. I think if he's afforded... opportunity to bring in some players in in January and they don't see an upturn, then of course there'll be question marks about his his job in the the, the summer at the end of the season, because the form is is dreadful, it's woeful, one win in in 15, and it all flipped on that home defeat against Huddersfield, if you remember, 3-0, where I think that actually flattered Huddersfield on the day, but they've only scored more than one goal once uh, in, in that run of games in the victory at Bristol City, so it is really desperate. Um, scratching around, I saw that he played um, uh, Zahor, Wallace uh, and Young Parrot as well and just, just nothing really. Zahor was really poor and, you know, the fans, you know, question if it's, if it's right to continue going with these lone players if the performances are going to be so lacklustre. And I think Jed Wallace he has to take, I don't think, he has to take a portion of the blame right now because he's not producing either, just one goal and one assist in the last 10 and the goal was a, a penalty against Coventry the other week. So now problems all over the place really for Mill. Um, but again, I just think maybe going back to the youth, Thompson, uh, McNamara, who's come back from St. Johnston, giving those two a bit of an opportunity and some new blood in January and, and hopefully be able to turn things around. But it's not looking good, but I don't see them. I don't see them getting dragged down into the relegation fight.
4: No, Sam made a good point. I think, was it last week or the week before? talked about potentially ripping up that defence that's been so so dependable for them in, in recent seasons. I think that's a difficult situation or difficult call that probably has to has to be made really. Sometimes you've got to make these tough decisions because the clean sheets have, have dried up big time. There's, there's too many mistakes at the back. Also Sam, I wanted to ask you this, do you think that a club can ever have too many strikers? Now I say this because Millwall I've kind of got six. If you include Jed Wallace as part of a forward line, you got Parrot seven starts, Bradshaw eight, Matt Smith five, Bodvarsson seven, Zahor three. It feels like none of them are getting any kind of rhythm. They're sort of in and out, um, and very rarely does he ever play more than one striker. Often it's Bradshaw sort of in behind Bodvarsson or Parrot to the left or, or something like that. It just seems to me he's got six strikers. And there's only really room for one proper, proper striker in his, in his setup. Should he get rid of some or, or, or go with two up top?
5: Yeah, he'd probably say that he's afforded all of them enough opportunities. Um, while he's been scratching around trying to find the right combination. I think I said like a fortnight ago, I thought Bodvarsson and, and Bradshaw had performed well in the game prior to the commentary one away from home. And there, was, there were signs that it was coming together and then they were so lacklustre again on during that display that he's almost ripped it up and started yeah. searching around again. So, But like too much choice fans, maybe. <laughs> yeah. I think the fans are crying out for that. And I think my point was, you know, when you had Morrison and, and Gregory in tandem playing up there week after week, you always have a chance, especially in the home game. So yeah, maybe that's something he has to look at, but it doesn't look like anyone he's got at the moment is the answer. So I expect him to be backed because I thought the... The squad was a little bit lacklustre going into this season. Um, and the way that Gary Rowett wanted to progress things, he'd probably say that he's been a little bit shortchanged. So I think, I hope, they, they bide their time within the hierarchy and he gets a bit more time.
3: Uh, let's get some odds, courtesy of Paddy Power here, represented by Abby. We're going to build a midweek ACCA on the basis that one week it will surely come off. Uh, Abby. You're making a selection for us this week. It comes from the championship, I believe.
2: Yes, and I'm very much taking that one day it will come off uh, to hearts, <laughs> And so I'm going for what must be a surefire, right? Um, Norwich to beat Bristol City. And uh, those odds are four to seven.
3: Well, playing it safe. Uh, we'll carry on with that
0: as the show progresses. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone?
2: on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker and now ad-free on The Athletic. This is the Totally Football League Show with Matt Davis-Adams.
3: Uh, let's have a look at some transfers, though, that have happened since last time we met. Max Watters to Cardiff, we mentioned this already, 13-15 for Crawley this season. Um Adrian can he make the step up and and do you think Neil Harris's job depends on him doing so to to some extent
4: Yeah I don't know whether Neil Harris will get enough time to see the benefit of the signing the way that the form is going you know he talked he talked up how proud he was of the of the performance at the weekend but it felt like the cries of a of a coach that was sort of desperate to to be positive even though they were they were you know, a distant second best so Norwich, really, I, I thought, anyway. So they're not in good shape. And I think he's, he, he, yeah, I really like Neil Harris. And I think he is a good manager, but but he must be on the line. Um, it feels like, not a desperate signing, but it feels like a, a bit of a stretch, a bit of a gamble. Because let's let's face it, this lad has played half a season in League Two for a very attack-minded side and done brilliantly. No question, he's he's been sharp as anything. He's scored some great goals, but it's half a season. He's never he's never you know proven himself at that level. He could be the next Jamie Vardy. We don't know, do we? But um, it it feels like they're clutching a little bit with with this signing and Crawley. Are probably I would imagine Crawley, although gutted to lose him, to make that kind of profit in such a short period of time is it is an absolute no brainer for a player that. Could turn out to be a flash in the pan.
3: Uh, ben Whiteman to Preston from Doncaster. A few clubs looked at him. Preston got it done. Should cheer Alex Neal. We've spoken previously about how he's not been massively backed in the transfer market. Sam, I'm sure this one caught your attention. Bright essay Samuel signed a pre contract to join Meza Erzl at Fenerbahce. QPR say he'll stay with them for the rest of the season unless the. Clubs can reach an agreement for his early release. You, you want to try and do that, don't you? Because you don't want a player whose whose mind's going to be elsewhere for the second half of the season. What
5: well, you want him to they want him you want him to strike up an agreement?
3: Yeah, wouldn't you think so? Is he not just going to be worried about getting injured and, and his his mind will be wandering
5: to Turkey rather than London? Yeah, quite possibly. I think I think in the summer everyone was a little bit concerned about his attitude and he's done really well in the last couple of months, I w- I would say. Been some good performances, but but yeah, it seems a little bit strange. Um, if Mark Warburton got his eye on someone, and there's there's been rumours about a couple of players already, then maybe it'd be better to get it done. But he's he's been a good good player. Shame to see him go. As it was to see Eze go. Yeah, I, I wouldn't put him on the same uh, the same level as Eze though. So um, yeah, we wish him well, and um, yeah, hopefully QPR will be able to add to the squad and have a better go of the the second half of the season.
3: From his perspective, Clark, it's always good to see a young player try their luck abroad, but but also, presumably, he'll be getting a nice bump in wages if they're not having to pay a fee for him so you can understand
4: why he's gone for it. Oh, look, cha-ching, isn't it? I mean, if, if, if they've just signed Meza Erzl, they've got a lot of money. I think that much is clear. So, so yeah, bright say, so Sammy, he wouldn't have been short of, of suitors from the Premier League. I'm not saying they'd have been queuing up to sign him, but because he was a free transfer... He would have got himself a very very good deal to stay in english football so yeah i can only imagine it's it's sort of mind-boggling money that's that's turned his head and and, but also it's good to have a the experience of playing abroad and he's a showman he's a very exciting player and i think they'll love him over there um but 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 those that that go over to turkey they don't tend to stay that long it's quite intense over there and if things don't go well in Turkish football especially when fans are inside the stadiums then it can be one of the most difficult countries in the world to be a professional footballer so he's yeah let's hope he can shine and uh, and deliver there but but I, I don't think he's going to be there forever he'll be back in in England in, in two or three years I'd imagine.
3: Uh, the Athletic Stuart James reporting that Swansea close to bringing in Jordan Morris on loan from Seattle Sounders. Uh, Sam you're our MLS correspondent and,
5: and you rate this player. I think I've sat on the fence quite a lot today, so I'm going to go all, <laughs> all in here, all in. I'd be really excited if I was a Swansea supporter. Um, I first saw him probably three years ago. He had a really bad injury, but since he's been back fit, he's been outstanding. He's an amazing athlete, very powerful, direct runner played in a 4-2-3-1 for Seattle, wide on the left-hand side, normally coming in field or running in beyond. Um, Seen him play as a number nine, can play wide right as well, um, gets goals. But I just think these physical attributes would be really suited to the the championship. Obviously, my one concern in what I've just said is the way that Swansea set up, which is pretty set in stone. Um, The three... 4-1-2 Four one two, not a number ten because he wouldn't be comfortable receiving it on the half turn and little passes. That's not his game, so he'd have to play as a striker uh, as an alternative to Jamal Lowe with Andre Ayew. I would I would imagine, which he could do no problem at all. But yeah, he's better in a four two three one four three three in a wide position. But his age twenty six. I think he's got number of uh, USA caps and it has worked in the past. You think of. um Landon Donovan, wasn't it? it was was great. Oh, you look at uh, Alfonso Davis at Bayern Munich, for example. And I know the Almiron one at Newcastle hasn't quite worked. But this lad, when I've watched him in MLS, I thought surely someone in Europe's going to take a chance on him. So, yeah, I'd be really excited. Uh, While well, we're with you, Sam, last one: Charlie Brown from the
3: Chelsea Dev squad to MK Dons. We've seen a bit of him playing uh, under twenty-three football, etc. Do you think he can, he can cut it in League One? Is he just going to be back up to Cameron Jerome? I'm getting
5: back on the fence. Um, <laughs> you never know, do you? You never know. I made a, a hash of the Conor Gallagher one a couple of years ago when Johnny Jackson asked me about him and oh, I'm sure i actually mentioned another lad that Chelsea had in the 21s and obviously he went on to be a revelation. So until they afforded the opportunity, how, how do you know? You, you can't gauge it against under-23 football. I, I honestly don't believe it. So in the Checker Trade games or Papa John's, he, he's done brilliant. Love his movement on the last line. Really intelligent the way he gets in. Great finisher in the 18-yard box. Really strong left foot. Uh, got a good goal return at every level with Chelsea. i am just be concerned about his hold-up and his his physicality uh, because I think that, that started to let him down in the last year. Maybe he hasn't developed as quickly as maybe we anticipated. Not I don't mean physical. I mean in terms of his footballing ability. So training with first team players playing in a first team environment I have to wait and see how he gets on but if he can improve that he can improve his awareness with his back to goal and be a better link then hopefully he can go and go and do well but yeah we'll have to wait and see so he's going to be
3: in league one and we'll meet him there in a jiffy
2: This is the Totally Football League show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network.
3: League One headlines. Shrewsbury boss Steve Cottrell recovering in hospital, having been admitted to intensive care following a positive Covid test. Get well soon, Steve. Uh, on the pitch, Hull missed the chance to close the gap on leaders Lincoln, who didn't play this weekend. The Tigers drew with Blackpool. The teams in third to seventh all one, with Sunderland moving up to eighth following their victory. And we're big fans of Jimmy Floyd's face mask slash chin warmer. Now let's start our look back at Fleetwood, where Portsmouth claimed three points in a fifth clean sheet in a row courtesy of a 1-0 win. Pompey hadn't played since December the 18th. Fleetwood, their first match under interim manager Simon Wiles. Uh, we all picked Pompey to go up in our predictions the other week, Clarky, What is there that can stop them, do you think? I guess injuries, COVID, running through the club, that kind of thing. But in terms of on the pitch, they're looking terrific.
4: They do. They just look really solid, don't they? <laughs> Five clean sheets in a row would kind of testify. I think well, it's the same with any team. Injuries. I think that is the only thing that can really derail, derail them. And will they score enough goals if they start to leak a few? Have they got the firepower to the go and win games? You know, three, two, four, two, whatever. Um, we'll have to wait and see. But yeah, just. Just really consistent this season. Obviously playing better football, the fans are are enjoying that. We've, we've talked about it. They're pressing more. They're passing through the lines. It's it's better to watch. Andy Cannon's been good in central midfield alongside Naylor. Again, if, if they miss out, if they're if if one or both are missing, have they got the backup there? I saw them. I, I went to Peterborough for the Papa John's game. It was obviously their reserve team. But but they were comprehensively outplayed and and in midfield Ben Close was playing and he had good deliveries from set pieces in, in in general play he was second best so so yeah I think first if the first eleven stay fit they'll they'll be okay um, but maybe they just need someone to take the the, the weight off of uh, Marquis, who is back on the goal scoring trail in this game.
3: Sam I'm I'm looking at the odds for next Fleetwood manager. Odds on, Tim Cahill. I mean, it's sort of out of the Barton mould, I suppose, in that
5: it's a rookie. Is that what they need? Should they not be going for a bit more experience this time around? I think the chairman, is he is he an Evertonian? He certainly powers with Joey Barton. Mm. Wasn't he? I he maybe, And he yeah. And, and uh, Tim yeah. T- Tony Hibbert. Three to one. Uh, no, just maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, Tim Cahill is getting a lot of punditry work, isn't he? But maybe he'd be um, hungry to get into the to the management game, and that would be a perfect place, wouldn't it? With good tools in terms of a good, great setup, well-run club, um, a good side who just yeah just lost its way a little bit at the start of this season. I think defensively, it t- t- took a while to get them going. Um, but there didn't seem to be too much wrong with that performance at the weekend in terms of territory and, and, and pressure. As Adrian said, just came up against a good, well-oiled port, Portsmouth machine at, uh, at the moment. We didn't have much of the ball, but get the job done. So it's a really good job for someone. I, th- I think given the way that the, the, the chairman went previously, it wouldn't surprise me if he went for another young supporter, a, a young manager, sorry, because I think it's still about building Fleetwood as a league club, building the interest, building support base, uh, etc. and improving the brand of football. So I wouldn't be surprised if um, it was something similar.
4: Isn't it the perfect time to appoint a rookie, Matt? Really? I mean, they're not going to go down. Absolutely no chance. Um, Could go up if things kickstart because they've got, you know, they've got decent players and they they play some lovely football. In this match, they played some really good stuff between the lines. So I think it's the perfect... if If you're inclined... To go with someone that's a bit of a name, that's young and fresh, that could turn out to be the next big thing, this is the be- perfect time. Give him half a season to build things up. Doesn't really matter what happens, and uh, yeah, kick on potentially next year.
3: Uh, Abby points out that Jonathan Woodgate, who's not quite a rookie, is is twenty five to one. But if we're going ex Evertonians instead, I'd I'd give it to Daniel Daniel Amakachi till the end of the season. Um, two teams heading in opposite directions met at Wimbledon's not yet. Hang on, Matt. Home.
4: I've got to say, Matt, sorry. <laughs> should, just for a laugh, they should give it to David Unsworth. Do you remember Joey Barton <laughs> Joey Barton giving, giving Unsworth pelters for being fat? <laughs> <laughs> He's probably
3: still in charge of Everton's under-23s, I think, David Unsworth. Anyway, where was I? Uh, Wimbledon nil 3 Sunderland. Two teams heading in opposite directions, meeting at Wimbledon's not-yet-happy new home. Sunderland didn't draw this game. Charlie made of the white stuff to get a hat-trick. Um, Plough Lane seems to be a bit slow becoming a happy home for them Adrian is there is there a reason for that or, or are we just reading too much into that and actually they've not got a very strong squad hence why they've <laughs> lost four on the bouncer in the relegation zone so. nah,
4: nothing to do with the stadium it looks great by the way I really like it You can't wait for fans to, to be inside there no I, I just feel Wimbledon are short on defenders aren't they I think the manager Glenn Hodges said he's only got three fits into halves doesn't have a lot of experience in his team, full stop. Does he? And I just feel that they were sort of outnoused a little bit in this game, and also probably the the gap in quality as they should be really given the the budgets um, at Wimbledon and Sunderland. I think that that was exhibited for much of the match. Quite even, Wimbledon had their had their moments. I quite like Longman's good. He's bright, and and, and we know that Piggott's... A quality player, but but yeah, just just in central midfield and at the back, they were opened up at at key times. They scored some good goals. I thought, I thought Sunderland. Um, the stats aren't good. Obviously, six losses out of the last seven games. The other game was drawn. So so they're they're in rotten form. But I don't think this was a rotten performance. I really don't.
3: Uh, Sam. Lee Johnson said all he wanted in the second half was an A-grade attitude from his players. We've had a, a light-hearted dig at that kind of statement from him before, but he's looking more and more like a really good appointment from Sunderland. He seems to have found a way to make them click.
5: Yeah, well they were they were so incensed and, and bored of the the previous regime. I think they're just thrilled to see a bit of tactical flexibility. Uh, I would I would suggest and. Kind of went two, 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 four-two-two-two-four-four-two, uh, kind of in that Watford style when they were getting great success a couple of seasons ago, and um, made some big decisions. O'Brien started and and Embleton over Jack Diamond, who's been really good, and both of those two contributed um, hugely to the to the victory. Charlie White, brilliant uh, hat trick, um, proving that he can you know be a consistent scorer, and also Jordan Willis at the other end, who. Um, has been missing I think that they, they were really secure when he was in the team previously so getting him back um at the other end is 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 vital as well so no um yeah a really good performance and um I think for <coughs> Wimbledon just add to what Clarkey said I think there has been interest in Joe Piggott and they'll continue to be interested in the next couple of weeks so vital that they they keep hold of him as well as improving defensively if they're you know, not going to be looking over their shoulders.
3: Let's move on to the most entertaining side in the EFL just now. That's Rochdale 3-3 draw with Wigan for them. The last three games, 3-3, 4-4, 3-3. George Alec caught up with their manager Brian Barry Murphy on Thursday's show to discuss Dale's form. Do listen to that if you haven't already. In terms of Saturday's game, summed up nicely by Stevie Humphreys. Caps again, unreal spirit from the boys to come back twice from behind with ten men to get a three-three draw. At Beasley underscore Jake, bravest guy I know. Great goal, mate. That's why we call you Bex. Flame emoji. At Ryan MCL two, buzzing to get another couple of goals and help the boys. Football emoji. Hashtag up the Dale. Blue heart emoji. Sam, you were there for the 4-4 with Charlton midweek. I'm sure you had an eye on this one too. Are you enjoying their free-scoring,
5: no-defending style of play? (laughs) Yeah, it's it's the best game I've seen by a country mile at at Charlton. It was amazing. Loved it. And I wouldn't say it was a criticism, but I came away, and and during the second half, just thinking, they're 4-2 up here. They're getting battered. Why is he not bringing on another centre-half and just declaring? Like... I mean, there comes a time when you've just got to say, let's put five across the edge of the box, you know, some midfielders on their toes and just make it really hard for the opposition. And it wasn't until after the game that I heard his comments that Paul McShane got injured in the warm-up. He literally had no options on the bench. And then fast forward to Saturday, centre-half gets sent off. And Jimmy Kearhan, who is a... Well, he was an attacking midfielder when I played with him at Exeter, went into centre-half. So... They've got like enormous issues defensively, hence why I think it's partly the philosophy, but partly because of circumstances, they just go and try and outscore teams, which is just brilliant fun. The young lad Barr obviously was exceptional at, at Charlton. Humphreys, brilliant uh, target man who is getting goals and he's been... Equally well aided by um, by Lund, who's actually playing as a number ten, we did it at the, at the Valley as well. So, yeah, they're just they're just really good fun. I, I felt that um, they they were gonna shut up shop in the, the the second half at the Valley, but they did the opposite. They kept four up at times, which was just brilliant. And at the weekend, despite being really patched up against Wigan, um, great resilience, um, loads of. Energy and youthful exuberance, um, and and real quality as well. So, yeah, they're gonna to have to improve defensively; otherwise, it, it might not happy have a happy ending. But yeah, it's really good fun at the moment. As
3: for Wigan, Adrian, obviously disappointed here to concede so late, but they've only lost once in the last seven. That was the five nil hammering in the reverse between these two. Doing pretty well to still be in in touching distance of safety, aren't they? Given all the all the tumult around them this season, I
4: think so. Yeah, I think the the sort of joint. Interim managers Liam Richardson and Gregor are doing doing a great job. The, they talk about the spirit of Rochdale. That that's evident. I mean, that was a great comeback with ten men. Um, they've come back, you know, from other deficits as well lately. But but we're gonna have got a bit of character as well um, and some talent. Nineteen-year-old Carl Joseph, for example, is is a player that's that's come to. Come to four, four goals in the last two, and I notice, and this is inevitable. As soon as anyone half decent does well for Wigan, they're they're going to be preyed on. But I've noticed there's there's a long list of, of clubs interested in in Kyle Joseph, so he, he might be another one that ends up going. But but yeah, full credit to them and and to their academy as well. Um, of the fourteen players that featured in this game, nine were graduates of the Wigan Academy, so. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a great ratio, isn't it? I know it's been forced upon them, but they're they're being competitive. So uh, these kids that they're coming that are coming through, clearly good players, but also players with with character as well.
3: Yeah, keeping them going at the moment. Uh, let's get back into the acca. My selection for our midweek bet comes from League One. Abby, I'd like over three and a half goals in the game between Peterborough and Charlton, please. What odds will Paddy Power give me on that?
2: You see why I've had to go for Norwich as my selection with your mad (laughs) madness. Uh, Peterborough versus Charlton, over three and a half goals is 11 to 5. Put that together with my four to seven from Norwich, and we are currently on four to one.
0: Good stuff. Uh, Let's get to League Two next.
2: On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker and now ad-free on The Athletic. This is the Totally Football League Show with Matt Davis-Adams.
3: League 2 headlines. Plenty of relegation, six-pointers this weekend, but Barrow were the only side to take three of them in the bottom half. In fact, Lake Orient, the only other team in League 2 to win at the weekend. means it's incredibly tight, just five points between first and ninth with another five between 18th and 24th. Uh, lots of draws in League 2. The pitchers... Far from perfect. Is there anything to, to read into that? Adrian, do you
4: think that there are loads of draws? I don't think it's to do with the pitches. It was the most boring weekend, maybe, in <laughs> League Two history, wasn't it? Let, let's not let's not pull any punches here. It was shocking. I wish I'd bet under 2.5 goals in every game. You'd, you know, I, I needn't turn up for this podcast if i had done that. Um, but the, <laughs> it, yeah, it, I, I don't know. Is it fatigue? Is it lockdown fatigue? I mean, I have to say, and, and I love football, really love it. And, and I'll always watch it when, when I have time to. But it, it's not as much fun at the moment. And, and and the fact that it's behind closed doors must be getting to the players. It just feels like it's a training game, a training game. They're not training games. We, we know that. They know that. But it just has that feel of, of, a, of a dead match. It's a little bit soul-destroying. And I just wonder whether there's a lethargy... Across the division, really, and obviously there's been huge disruption as well through players getting COVID, opponents getting it, and then they're having to have breaks. So no one's getting in, into any kind of flow at the moment. So I think it's a, it's a cocktail between between those really the, the bad pitches that that's there every year. Um So yeah, it's it's yeah it's it's, it's a real shame. I felt when we had one thousand, two thousand fans fans in it was starting to really pick up. And it, it, it's, it's, it's a real choker that we've gone backwards.
3: Yeah, Sam, you go to a lot of these games behind closed doors. Have, have you
4: noticed it,
3: the kind of enthusiasm, maybe the quality, maybe the intensity dropping over these last few months? Um, Difficult to say well, when you've just been and watched a 4-4 the week before. Yeah, I, suppose. I
5: mean, that's given me a, a real... Uh, necessary pick me up to be honest, because I've been really struggling with I've been struggling with the Premier League games as a, as a spectator on the TV. I've I can't tell you that I've sat through ninety minutes of, of any game really. Um, when you get there in terms of being a commentator, co-commentator, as you you two guys know, you focus in on the tactics and on the skill and all that, and you go into game mode, and that is still as much. Uh, I wouldn't say it's as much as a thrill as as always, because obviously the atmosphere always brings the spectacle up a notch. But I'm really enjoying getting out to the games. What you do miss, I suppose, and what is evident is you don't get those big spells in games. I've said this consistently, when the goalkeeper's getting peppered and the box is getting peppered, you can smell the goal coming. That's the biggest thing that I'm missing. And the, and the, the biggest obvious gap that I'm seeing so um so potentially that the players will be struggling with that we're struggling without having an an atmosphere to to feed off negative or positive um you know sounds and and chants from the crowd always heightens your senses and and did when I was a player and inspired me so but yeah in, in terms of me going there it's I think is a little bit different because you're your game face comes on, doesn't it? And you can focus on just being at a game of football rather than being in the house and and, and watching, I suppose, a, a product that's a little bit sub what we're used to it being at the moment.
3: <sighs> uh, anyway, let's talk about some League Two games. Barrow wants Scunthorpe nil. Barrow, the big winners from the weekend. Uh, their goal coming from Josh Kay. Concerning concussion for, for Luke James. 15 minutes of stoppage time. It looks as though he's okay, thankfully. Barrow's first win... Since Boxing Day, Clark, have you know, noticed much difference in how they're going about things under Michael Jolly as opposed to David Dunn?
4: Um, I don't know, a bit, bit maybe a bit more t- uh, flexibility tactically. I think they started with a back three and then after James came off, it went to 4 4 They still play some lovely possession football. Yeah, some really well-constructed moves. They use the full width of the pitch via those wing-backs. But what impressed me actually about them in this game was the goal. But the goal was a really direct piece of play. It was go from one end of the pitch to the other as quick as you can. Really smart counter, beautifully taken. So, yeah, I, I think they'll be fine. Look, Barrow's home form is strong. They've only lost twice up there in Cumbria and that I think will save them come the end of the season. Um, I know that the league position is a little bit precarious, but I think they've got enough goals in them to, to get themselves up towards mid-table, I really do.
3: Uh, Scunthorpe, Sam, another defeat for them. They've had eight managers since 2018. Will they get their cocks out in a bid to stay up? Uh,
5: no, I wouldn't <laughs> think so. I think just going over um, what we've said already on today's podcast, I think the circumstances this year, I know they were affected early part of the season. Scunthorpe didn't play, I don't think for for um, a couple of weeks or something. So, and if you look at that, combined with the budget and, um, you know, the lack of real quality in that squad, um, I, I would suggest they'll persevere with him. And there's, there's teams down the bottom of that division, I see, you know, in in, in more trouble than, than but I think they'll pick up enough results. I think we've spoken about Issa and, and Gillyhead has been two kind of shining lights in that side, but obviously need to find a few more goals because the, the tally suggests that unless that picks up, they're gonna they're gonna be down the
4: bottom. Yeah, they, they lost Van Veen, didn't they? It's sort of a maverick, it's a natural sort of match winner for them. I think he's only made three starts, and they won two of the matches that he started. So I think losing him was bad. What I'll say for Scunthorpe fans that are feeling really sort of miserable is that it's in their own hands in many respects. Stevenage, Southend, and Grimsby all to come at home, so that 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 might make or break their season really they did lose all of the corresponding away fixtures so up against their rivals at the bottom they've not done well but but that's an opportunity isn't it for them to, to get themselves out of this hole
3: uh, Final game we're going to focus on this week saw the points share between Bolton and Cheltenham after goals from Alfie May and Owen Doyle now we speak a, a lot about Bolton Sam but Cheltenham haven't won in the league since the start of December uh, what, what's happening with the uh, with the Duff men?
5: I think some important absentees, Hussey and um, my former teammate, Liam Serkham, not not been available. I think the the most alarming thing is the lack of goals. Two in the last six matches um, for a team that we spoke about last year having such uh, an array of options in attacking areas. There's no one you can really... Um, bet your bottom dollar on Notching at the moment. I think George Lloyd's had opportunities, not scoring. Alfie May hasn't been as consistent as maybe we thought he would be at that level. So that's a big problem. And um, I was going to ask Clarkie this earlier, actually, but it uh, escaped my mind. Um, losing points from winning positions um, is happening a lot. You know, in the last few weeks, they gave up a lead, obviously, against Bolton. Stevenage in the previous home game. Um, another home game against Bolton the reverse fixture again conceding late and loads of last minute goals as well so just that game management combined with not extending their leads not um, being potent enough going forward um, and obviously leaving themselves liable to to having points taken off them late on so be an interesting game tomorrow night against Newport because we know that Newport consistently this season have left it late to do the damage. So Cheltenham are going to have to hope that there are a couple of goals to the good otherwise they could be burnt again.
4: Yeah, they've got one of the worst records when it comes to um, having a lead and holding on to it. They have um, scored the first goal in 14 games but only converted eight into victories. So they've sort of squandered six. It's it's among the worst uh, records. But um, but yeah, I, I think they'll be fine. A big week as well, isn't it, for, for Cheltenham? They've got, they've got Newport and then... Manchester City to come. And and in this game, by the way, they were lucky against Bolton. I, I thought Bolton swarmed all over them. So um yeah, I think they'll be very pleased with the point.
3: Yeah, and yet Bolton are in seventeenth position. Uh, final question here comes from Martin Johansson on Twitter. If Adrian could save only one out of Stevenage and South End from relegation, <laughs>
4: which would he say? That's out that's out of order. <laughs> <laughs> that's outrageous. Gotta be South End though, hasn't it? well nothing to do with my personal feelings because I did I loved being at both clubs um but I would save South End on the basis that they've they've always in my lifetime been a professional you know one, one of the 92 and I, I see South End as being a team that should be yo-yo in between league one and the championship not not even being in league two they should definitely be league one at the bare minimum South end whereas Stevenage, Small, much smaller club, they've been in non-league and enjoyed it there. Um, it wouldn't be as disastrous for them to drop out um, as it would be for for End. But that, but that said, I, yeah, I desperately hope they both survive. Thanks for that question.
3: <laughs> well done, Martin. Uh, let's complete this doom Dakar then. Uh, both the chaps have gone for for League Two fixtures from it. Sam, what's your pick? Uh,
5: Morecambe to be Walsall because I think. Uh, Morecambe have won the last four at home, not lost since October, in fact, and at home that is, and Walsall just one point from the last four. So after Morecambe's uh, la- nice couple of trips to the capital, which uh, yielded nothing, then defeats at Chelsea and Leighton Orient get themselves back to the northwest and uh, beat Walsall, will probably travel up on the day and be knackered.
3: I'll do that, Abby. The, uh, the result, not
4: Walsall traveling up on the day. <laughs>
2: Welcome to Beat Walsall is 11-8. Uh,
4: Adrian, what have you gone for? Yeah, good odds that. that. Um, I've gone for um, low scoring on the on the back of a very low scoring weekend. I'm looking at Tranmere and Forest Green. Uh, Forest Green, only 36% of their games have, have seen more than two goals. And for Tranmere, only 38% of their games have seen more than two goals. So under 2.5, please, for Tranmere, Forest Green.
3: Uh, Abby, what will you give us on that? What does it do to the ACCA?
2: Yeah, so under 2.5 is as likely as a Norwich win. So that is 4 to 7. Uh, Accumulator, therefore, is 18 to 1.
3: You can find these odds and more at paddypower.com or the Paddy Power app. Prices are accurate at the time of recording. It's 18 plus. Be gamble aware. And when the fun stops, stop. Uh, right, before we go, as it's just the dynamic duo with me today, we'll revisit no-one's favourite quiz, loosely titled Stuff That Happened to Sam and Adrian in Their Playing Days. Uh, Adrian, you're up first this week. Here's your question. We all remember with fondness the goal that you plundered for Southend in the Shrimpers 2-1 win against Shrewsbury back in August 1998. Uh, in said game, a current EFL manager came off the bench for you in the 78th minute. Name that manager.
4: Oh, God. Goodness me. 78th minute <laughs> real steel potential here if you don't get it because i think this is dead easy is it dead easy I, i've got such a bad such a bad memory i really have i should know well nathan nathan jones is correct <laughs> <Yes. Yeah. laughs> but yeah, bit, bit of a yeah, bit of a dolly that one uh, that
5: to Luton. change the question during the podcast there didn't we uh, yeah,
4: my goal in that yeah. game, by the way, can be seen on YouTube. It was quite a feeble effort, but it was the, the teammate flicked it up onto my thigh for me to knee into the air and then volley over the wall. So it was quite an unusual goal. Um, but yeah, the goalkeeper, goalkeeper definitely did me a favour. We'll maybe try and
3: get Nick to tweet that out from the um, Totally Show account, maybe. Um, Sam, here's your question. Speaking of Luton. We're coming up to the 13th anniversary of your stoppage time equaliser for the Hatters against Leeds in a League One game. Uh, 11 minutes after you stepped off the bench in said fixture, Leeds made a striking sub of their own. The forward they brought on has scored at a World Cup, won domestic cups in England and Scotland, as well as lifting the now defunct UEFA Cup Winners' Cup. Name that striker. For Leeds. Yep. No, Loads of family members also play football. Uh, Rod Wallace Played for one of your old clubs No idea. Rod Wallace wasn't playing in 2008 by the way
5: <laughs> It was a joke No idea
3: <laughs> Oh come on I really think you can get this Adrian can you steal? No <laughs> Scandinavian
5: Thomas Brolin he
3: Played for Rangers Played for Chelsea Played for Sunderland I once made him a cup of tea He has one it's sugar in it Flo. Tori yeah, <laughs> I honestly thought you'd have remembered that. He's like quite a big name. No, you're not like, hey, I'm sharing I a picture to Andre Flo.
5: I should have done because I think it was um, Dennis Wise. And I think he probably called me an obscenity when he saw me in the tunnel after the game, considering <laughs> I'd watched the equaliser. So yeah, I probably should have got the Chelsea connection.
3: Uh, that was fun. Right, that's it for today. Ali and George will be with you on Thursday following the midweek fixtures. We'll be back same time, same place next week. But for now, from all of us here, it's goodbye.
2: You've been listening to the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Keep up to date with everything Totally at thetotallyfootballshow.com and by following at the totally Show on Twitter and Insta. Check out all of the Athletic's football podcasts on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places. Or listen ad-free on The Athletic app. The Totally Football League Show is a Money Needs Media production and sponsored by Paddy Power.
1: The Athletic.